As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The waiting is over! The New York Rangers are the Stanley Cup champions! And this one will last a Howdy, everybody. Welcome back to the Garden Faithful, your Rangers podcast from The Athletic. I'm Arthur Staple, joined as always by my producer, Chris Flannery. Chris, what's going on? Not too much. Good to be here. Yeah, we got a lot to dig into. Uh, interesting week that the Rangers had. Uh, interesting week coming up. We're only two weeks away from the end of the season. And uh, then in our last segment, we're, since we're winding down on the year and uh, next week, we might be talking about playoffs a little bit more intently. This week, we'll be talking about awards and whether there's any Rangers who are in the running for awards. Obviously, I think that there are a couple guys and uh, maybe a few that we haven't thought of that might want to dive in and see what their what their case would be for certain awards. But uh, off the top, um, Rangers-Jets tonight, Andrew Kopp facing his old team. Um, they may not recognize him because he's a point-per-game guy with the Rangers now playing with Artemi Panarin. They did use him in a, in a top-six role a lot of this season, which I think accounts for his career-high numbers. But, um, but yeah, I think, Chris, you know, uh, t- he talked a little bit yesterday, and Jacob Truba, his good friend, talked a little bit yesterday about just how well it's worked out with Kopp and with Vitrano. Um, you know, Chris Jury... If the Rangers go far, we can we can get into it about awards. The the GM of the Year award, which has gone to Lou Lamarillo the last couple of years, basically based on what he's done at the deadline and how far the Islanders have gone. If the Rangers win a couple rounds, I think Chris Jury is the GM of the Year because these two trades that he made, and you know the Tyler Mott trade was a good one too, um, even though Mott's seemingly out for the year. Um, just to see the team that that ha- was doing so well and still had so many obvious holes. 
And to take a guy like Vetrano, who's been a, a good but not great player for Florida, plug him right in on the top line and he fits in well. And then Cop, who was kind of the big addition, you know, paid a, a big price to get him. Um, maybe you wouldn't have thought right away he'd be a second line guy who could work well with Artemi Panarin, but that's worked out well. Um, the fact that they've got their top two lines set, barring any injury or anything else that happens these last few games going into the playoffs, that's a pretty big accomplishment from the trade deadline from Chris Drury. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, it's, it really, you know, again, going into the season with, um, Chris Drury taking over as a first time GM, you know, you've heard it for years that this is a guy that, you know, has been sought after by other teams when they're, when they're, um, GM slot has opened up. He opted to stay with the Rangers and obviously, um, got to take over that role this season. Um, you know, you don't, you don't necessarily know how good it's going to be, but you, you know, you had an assumption that it would be good. And when you, when you look at all the moves that he's made, how he's built this team, um, that a lot of people consider maybe a bubble team to make the playoffs. Now they're clearly contending for the, for the Metro title and a, and a team that could definitely do some damage. It's not a team that you want to play in the playoffs. It's very impressive. It, it shows clearly that he has his pulse, uh, his finger on the pulse of this team. Um, he knew exactly who he was going to go get. And these aren't necessarily, I mean, cop obviously had been talked about quite a bit, but Vitrano was not somebody that you really heard a ton about before, uh, he went out and got him. Um, same thing with Justin Braun. I mean, that was, a, that was a name that was not out there. Uh, Tyler Mott, obviously, like you said, um, and even at the beginning of the season, again, I know people don't love the, the Buchnevich trade, but I think Sammy Blay was absolutely the type of player that they needed in this lineup and still will going forward. So yeah, it's, it's incredibly impressive to see what Chris Drury has done. I think he should be uh GM of the year and you know, it, it, it just speaks volumes to, to how well he understands um, a, this team and B how to construct a team, a winning team that doesn't necessarily need more uh, Panarins and Zibanejads. It needs guys that can play a certain way, fill a certain role and fit with guys that have, unique skill sets like Panarin and Zibanejad. So yeah, absolutely. Chris Drury's done an incredible job and um, you know, it's a really great start for his tenure as GM. And what it's done too is allowed um, two guys who are playing a lot of the season in the top six and maybe not producing the way that you'd like in Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere uh, to kind of ease into certain other spots. Now, you know, the other thing that it allows is that Caco came back from his, his wrist injury, missing 31 games didn't come back into the top six, was on the third line, had a really nice night in Philly, scored a couple goals, and then goes right out in the first period and gets hurt against Detroit, which was initially uh, the classic Gerard Gallant, doesn't seem serious. And then the next day we get the week-to-week designation, which reminds me that if I'm ever anything ever happens to me and Gerard Gallant tells the world, yeah, it's not that serious, <laughs> please please pray for me because he doesn't that's – yeah. that's always the bad sign. But um, – but it does seem to be that it's the week to week. It's the shorter ver- It's it's more single week than multiple weeks. And Gallant did say the other day that he fully expects Kaka to be back for the playoffs. And with Lafreniere, you know, he he they sat him yeah, out. You he, know, I'm I'm really sorry to interrupt. I, I actually had a question about that because it, it was interesting, kind of the way that Gerard Gallant said it, where he he said he's week to week, but he would be quote disappointed if he wasn't ready to play for the playoffs. But that. I, I don't know if I was reading too much. That wasn't like a veiled shot or anything at Kako, right? It was, he was just saying that. No, no, no. I yeah, think okay. it. Was, I think it was more the expectation of of how serious this injury is. Yeah, you know, okay. and, and again, you really have to throw out the initial diagnosis that that Gallant gives after a game because if you recall back in January when Kako took warmups and then didn't play a game and they were like, ah, he's day to day, and then ten weeks later he comes back after having surgery. 
Um, you know, it, there, there's the obfuscation that everybody does. The the Rangers maybe do it a little bit more than other teams, but it's nothing new for them. So, um, but in this instance, it sounds like, uh, you know, the week to week designation, which makes you your eyes bulge a little bit because that feels like a long time. Like, uh, you know, Tristan Jari, the Penguins goalie is week to week, and it sounds like he's gone for quite a while. So um, you either use it to be as vague as you can about a long-term injury, or in this case, it seems like more caution and he'll be able to get back, whether it's an ankle or whatever, or a knee or whatever happened to Kaka when he fell awkwardly in the first period against the Red Wings on Saturday. Doesn't seem to be too bad, and it's, it is too bad in general because he did play such a good game in Philly and seemed like uh, kind of that new third line with Lafreniere and Kako uh, and Philip Hedl looked like they wanted to get some some good chemistry going. Uh, and be a line that could be a potential kind of a sneaky threat uh, outside of the top six. Now I'll switch over to Lafreniere, who started, you know, sat out the game in Philly. Um, you know, a bit of a surprise, but I think, you know, Gallant seemed pretty steadfast in, in you know, and I think he amplified it pretty well uh, yesterday when he was asked. I happened to ask him about sitting, maybe sitting Chris Kreider out as he tries to go for the Rangers goal record. Uh, single season goal record. And he kind of said like, well, Kreider is not a guy who's going to sit out and I'm not going to seek guys out to say, you're sitting, you're sitting. He's really going to more read the room, talk to his coaches, talk to the training staff. And I think that's, you know, that's a a window into their decision-making process to sit Lafreniere against Philly. He had no points in the previous eight games. Looked a little lost, I think, since the trade, you know, kind of bouncing around in the lineup, uh, since the trade deadline rather, where, where he kind of got bumped out of the top six when the team is at full health, playing a lot with Barkley Goodrow and Philip Heedle, uh, not the same sort of dynamic line mates that he'd had when he was playing with either of the top two lines. He sits out a game, takes a breather, comes back in and scores, you know, on a team with some pretty highly skilled guys, scores maybe one of the goals of the year for the Rangers and maybe one of the goals of the year in the league against Detroit, one of two that he had. So, um, you know, again, Gerard Gallant, we're going to talk about him in the Jack Adams this is not a guy who's who's going to tell you all about the X's and O's and all the great plays he draws up. He's a he's a guy who who is good at knowing his players and understanding what works and what doesn't for them as as players, not necessarily in terms of drawing up specific plays and systems and things like that. And it's the latest example of him reading the room correctly and saying this is a kid who has played more games than he's played ever in his career, needed a little bit of a breather. Took his breather, didn't become a big thing, comes right back in and has one of his best games of the season. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Gerard Gallant is as advertised. I mean, he's done exactly what you thought he would do and you kind of hoped he would do. He lets the players play. He he has a I think a simplified system, although like you said, we're not getting the, you know, the details of all the X's and O's and the different plays that he sets up. But he he's a player's coach. He he lets them go out there, but he clearly understood that, you know, maybe as the season wears along here, um, you know, Lafreniere again has had two uh, strange seasons to start his career, basically um, w- w- with COVID and, and everything that happened. So, you know, he hasn't played this amount of games um, in a while and, you know, he, he, he let him sit. And when he comes back in, man, that second goal is as pretty as it gets. And that, that is so exciting as a Rangers fan to see, you know, we've seen so many number one picks come in and kind of make an immediate impact. The Austin Matthews, the the Patrick Kane, you know, whoever you want to name, the McDavid's. Obviously, we're not comparing Lafreniere to those guys necessarily, but um, you know, when you see him pull a play, uh, make a move like that, and and score a goal, it it, it it gives you a lot of optimism for 
you know, where this kid's ceiling is as, as you know, this season goes along into the playoffs, but certainly as his career develops, um, it was, that's as nice a goal as you're going to see. I think that is probably the goal of the year for the Rangers right now. Um, really beautiful. And I, and, in, and like you said, I think a really good job by Gerard Gallant to, to see that, you know, maybe he needs a little bit of a break or just a little refresh mentally. You know what I mean? I, who knows if it's even uh, as much physical as it is mental. Like you said, he's been bouncing around the lineup a little bit. Um, you know, and maybe it's just a little bit of a reminder. Like you have to come out every night and, and play the same way. And he got a break and he came out and he, and he, he responded well to that, which I think is uh, another really good thing about Lafreniere that we've seen repeatedly that he really doesn't get down on himself. It doesn't seem like he loses a ton of confidence. Um, even when he's been, you know, sat out or moved to different lines or whatever, he's still, you still, when you see him on the bench, he's still enjoying himself. It seems like he's happy to be there and, and he loves what he's doing. So, you know, that's, that's a cool thing about, about um, Alexi Lafreniere's personality. And uh, he showed it again against Detroit with an absolute beauty uh, to, to score a second goal that night. And it, and it does have to be pointed out that um, the guy that he undressed was Dylan Larkin, the Red Wings captain. Yeah. And Lafreniere is, is a guy who, who knows what's going on. He's aware. He's a, he's a, he's a guy who I think, um, you know, we tend to paint some of these younger guys as just kind of happy go lucky. He knows that Dylan Larkin was the guy that hit Frank Vitrano way late after Vitrano scored to make it two nothing. Uh, I guess Larkin was upset about a hit Vitrano had thrown on Lucas Raymond to kind of start that play going. Vitrano was pissed. Chris Kreider kind of came in and gave a big goal hug to kind of dif- diffuse the situation, but. Everybody noticed who threw that hit and that it was a dirty hit. And you know Dylan Larkin's not going to fight. So what's the next best thing? Take his pants down and smack him on the bottom (laughs) with with a great goal. So that's what Lafreniere did. And I think that sort of play, the confidence it takes to do it, the recognition and awareness to see the guy's turning his body and is in a a very bad defensive position to be able to kind of go through your legs and make him look stupid. And also to make a guy look stupid who threw a dirty hit on one of your players, like – that's the sort of stuff that that you, you like to see on a lot of different levels from Lafreniere, and maybe from a you know from a good stick it to that guy kind of level too. Yeah. That uh, that I think his teammates really appreciated. Yeah, it's confidence. It's it's leadership. Um, you know, and it's it's a type of stuff. Again, go, you know, we're go, we're going to be in the playoffs, and you know, a week and a week and change. Um, it'll be interesting to see how a guy like Lafreniere responds to that. It seems like he is the type that when, you know, the pressure goes up and the play goes up a little bit, it seems like he's going to try to make a difference. And it doesn't mean he's going to play perfectly or he's not going to make mistakes or whatever, but it de- he definitely seems like the type that's going to at least try to elevate his game and he's not going to shrink in the moment because that, that doesn't seem like the type of player he is. So it's, it's cool to see for sure. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do when they actually get into the playoffs. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We'll jump back a little bit now to last week. Um, Carolina Hurricanes came in. It's really, you know, out of these last uh, eight or nine games, uh, the games with the Hurricanes are really the ones that seem to mean the most. The Rangers are still trying to get uh, first place in the Metro. I think at at least uh, from the let's try to project out and see who they're going to play standpoint, that's become a lot more muddled too because now the Caps not only are gaining on the Penguins for third in the Metro, they're also gaining on the Bruins for that for the first wild card spot to avoid playing Florida in the first round. Maybe right. you know, maybe you don't want to avoid playing Florida in the first round. I don't know. It's all winning the Metro seemed to seem to be a guaranteed way to face either the Bruins or the Lightning last week. This week now, who the hell knows? So. Um, the game against Carolina was, uh, you know, it, it's a different level of game. Carolina defends so well. They really, you know, they, they look – the way that they played that game, the Rangers were doing a lot of what Carolina does to other teams where they were just trying to fire as many pucks as they could to kind of get Carolina out of their D structure. Didn't work very well. It was a tightly checked game both ways. And then a couple breakdowns uh, in the third period and Carolina went on to, to win and, you know, tip your hat. This is a team that's been at the top of the Metro with the Rangers the whole season. Um, interesting, interesting to note, uh, after we recorded our last show last week, after I had talked to Tony D'Angelo and a few of the other returning ex Rangers and wondered what sort of reception he would get and what sort of official reception the Rangers would, would have for him, uh, because it's been a topic of conversation, whether it was the very short Pavel Buchnevich return video that angered him. Um, so there was a lot of guys to get to. And I thought the the garden handled it the right way. Jesper Faust is a guy who was the one of the longest tenured ex Rangers who was making his first trip back of the four that were coming back. It was Brady Shea, Faust, Brendan Smith, and D'Angelo. Nobody played here as long as Faust. Super popular Ranger, won the Stephen McDonald Award multiple years. Um, really well liked ex teammate. Um, he got his own standalone video that lasted a decent amount of time uh, and a big standing ovation. And then the other three guys were kind of lumped together. Uh, cheers for Brendan Smith, well-deserved. Cheers for Brady Shea, perfectly fine. He was a good Ranger for a few years. Uh, and booze for Tony D'Angelo, which didn't surprise me completely given the narrative around the way that he left. I feel like the story that I wrote and the interview I did with him, you know, some of the details of what happened. Uh, to get him excommunicated from the Rangers last season were more things to do with internal politics and and interpersonal relationships within the team than anything that he posted on social media or did outside of the team, which I think has kind of fostered a lot of the feelings among the fan base. Um, but it was interesting, and you know, and really um, just a just a, a a decent night to welcome those guys back. They come back again next week. Uh, what did you make of Chris that the the welcome back for all of those four guys and just the game in general really one of the few meaningful games the Rangers have left? Yeah, I thought. I mean, like you said, we talked about it going into that game. I, I thought the Rangers handled it smartly, putting the the three defensemen together in in you know one package, so as not to have to single anybody out. Obviously, you know we, we kind of expected that Tony D would get some kind of reception one way or another. Um, I, yes, yes, Foss, obviously, um, a guy that, that was, was a good Ranger. So I, th- I thought that was appropriate that he got his, you know, his own kind of like standalone tribute there. Um, not surprised with Shay and Smith getting, getting cheers. And like we said, I mean, I thought maybe it'd be a, a bit of a mix, um, 
for Tony D'Angelo. I think he largely got booed. Um, you know, that happens. I mean, that happens to guys who don't leave on, on weird terms like that, uh, when they come back. So, you know, not, not altogether, um, surprising to, to see that. And I thought he kind of had pretty much a quiet game. Um, you know, he didn't do anything one way or another. So, you know, it was what it was. And then he, he wasn't really booed when he touched the puck or anything. So that's probably it. I mean, I think when they're here the next time, um, he'll probably just get to skate and, and do his thing unless, you know, something happens within the context of the game. As far as the game was concerned, I thought, look, I think Carolina looked like the better team for, you know, 40 minutes uh, of that game. I, I didn't think the Rangers played poorly. I thought they had a, a good first period. Like you said, they were trying to throw pucks to the net as much as possible to try to get um, Carolina out of their structure a bit. I thought Frank Vitrano had a great game. Um, he did take a, a bad penalty, I thought, um, but, but, whatever, you know, that's going to happen. He's trying to play hard. I thought he, I thought he played really well. And again, uh, going back to the conversation we had about Chris Drury, that's a, a great addition and a guy that I'm positive is going to look good when it comes to playoff time, uh, complimenting uh, Mika and, and Chris Kreider. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, it was a four, two loss, but with an empty net. So that's three, two, obviously it went three, uh, one for a while. Kreider got his 50th, which uh, we could talk about maybe a little bit in the, in the award segment. Um, to make it three, two. And then, you know, with a minute and a half left, it's a, it's a three, two game. It seemed like the Rangers had some momentum there and they, they possibly could have tied it up. They didn't, um, you know, it is what it is that this is a team that you're probably going to have to go through if you're trying to get to a Stanley cup, um, you know, this year, or even in a few years to come. So I don't think there's any shame in losing a game like that. Uh, Kept it close pretty much. Um, you know, and in a seven game series, it's probably going to go to a seven, you know, like against a team like this, hopefully. And, um, you know, it, it is what it is. I mean, we'll see what happens when, when they play again, uh, coming up here, but that, that was the one I thought where if, if they really could have won that game, they'd really be, um, challenging to win the Metro, although obviously they could still do it. I'm, I'm not saying they're completely out of it, but that was the one that felt like if they won that game, they, their, their confidence would really go, uh, up and they'd have a chance to win the division. We will see. And like you said, who knows if it even makes sense to win the division now or not or whatever. But, um, you know, the last five or six games here will really determine that. But overall, I think the Rangers played pretty well. Um, and it's not like they couldn't beat a team like Carolina. Carolina just won that game and, you know, they, they moved on and they, and they beat the next two teams, uh, eight, nothing. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know that we we can get into Kreider when it comes to awards, but uh, league league wide awards anyway. But it was it was good to see him get his fiftieth. Probably in that context, uh, you know, he was he was a little bit sunnier about it after the game than I thought he would be, um, which I think maybe says that no matter who you are, how stoic you try to be, getting to that milestone finally is a relief. And it was interesting to hear Gallant say, you know, when I kind of asked. Yesterday about resting guys and particularly Kreider, and he kind of said like, if I tried to sit him out in a game, he'd come in and work out twice. He's just <laughs> the guy's a machine, so it's, he doesn't need the rest. But uh, but you could see in the Detroit game, um, especially on that uh, on that five on three, they were they're they're looking for him. You know, instead of guys got fifty goals, of course, his line mates have looked for him at times during the season, but it seems to be a little bit more pronounced. And even Gallant said to him on the bench, like, I want to see you get that record. And uh, that's yeah. not something you hear too often from a coach at the end of the season, especially when there's still something left to play for. And um, Kreider himself would not want to be discussing those kinds of things because he hates talking about himself in that context. 
but uh, but he needs five goals to to set the Ranger record. There's six games left. Um, you know, you've got you've got Winnipeg, who's got a good goalie. The Islanders, even though they're officially out of it, have been pretty stingy defensively. Boston, similar situation, stingy defensively, and then Carolina, Montreal, and Washington. Um, you know what? What do you think about? I mean, yeah, we don't even have to discuss whether they're going to rest him or not. He's not. Chris Kreider's not going to. No, he's going to um, does he have a shot at getting this? Do do the Rangers should the, should they be looking for him to kind of get goals uh, in kind of obvious scoring situations? Um, you know, it's it's such a fine line because you don't want to get out of what you've been doing, and obviously it's been very successful for them. But but it would be, I think it would be pretty cool. I'm sure that they all think that to see him break Yarmir Yager's record and and um, you know sit atop that list that that has very few people on it for a team that's been around this long. There's only as this Kreider becomes only the fourth 50 goal scorer in, in franchise history. Yeah, no, that, that, that is unbelievable. I mean, that doesn't escape uh, me as a lifelong Rangers fan. It's like, wow, they've been around for like almost a hundred years and they, they only have a few guys that got to, to, to 50 goals. It's um, it'd be incredibly cool to see him do it, especially, you know, that Yager season where he had 54 and the 123 points, like he was, absolutely dominant the whole season just unbelievable like and just incredible uh you know to watch him do that it's one of the great seasons in in you know franchise history for sure um and Kreider's doing it in a completely different way which is what which is what's really interesting about it um i you know it, it like you said should they get out of what they're doing to try to set him up a little bit more I don't think so because again, the way he's doing it is off of tips, off of rebounds around the net. And obviously, you know, when he drives down that left side, he has a nice shot there. He he can score that way, but everything he's doing is right in the crease, basically. So I think they just need to kind of stick to what they're doing. Hopefully, they get some some more power play opportunities. Um, you know, down the stretch here, maybe have a game where they get you know four or five chances. Maybe he puts two in that game. You know, that, that he's going to need probably a multi goal game. I think to get it done unless he just, you know, catches fire and, and has one uh, in each of the remaining games basically. But no, I think they should just kind of stick to what they're doing. Obviously if he's, you know, if they could try to go cross ice, uh, you know, in the slot or something, try, try to hit him, that, that's fine. Two on ones. Yeah. Maybe you try to throw him the puck and, and let him shoot, but knowing him, he's probably just going to try to give it back to the guy that passed it anyway. So, um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I think they got to just kind of do their regular thing and, and, and hope he can tip some pucks in front Obviously, Montreal's the game where you're kind of looking like that's a team that, although they've been playing a lot better with Marty St. Louis behind the bench, but you know that that's a game where you you hope maybe he can get a, a goal or two, maybe you throw an empty net in there. I, I think it's possible that he does it, um, but it's you know fifty fifties incredibly difficult to get to, let alone fifty four or fifty five if you're going to break that record. Um, but it would be great to see him do it. Uh, I think Yarmir Yager, I love that guy. I mean, he, he brought the, the franchise back him and him and Lundqvist, obviously after that lockout, it, it was incredible to watch him do that. But Chris Kreider's a homegrown Ranger. He's likely going to retire, you know, retire a Ranger and, and never play uh, in another uniform. So it'd be really nice to see a guy like that. Who's a good guy, a team guy uh, who's grown up with this organization, um, you know, get to the record and potentially break it. And we will see what happens. But again, I think he needs a, maybe a multi-goal game and an empty net in there. And then, you know, we'll see what happens.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So yeah, for all of his accomplishments this year, Chris Kreider probably not going to get into the any sort of award conversation. And you mentioned Yarmir Yager, who I think got a little screwed out of the uh, Hart Trophy that year in 0506 by Joe Thornton. Um, yeah, I would say a lot of screwed. That, that was yeah. a uh, that was brutal. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a shocking result considering yeah. that that without Yager, the Rangers probably are uh, a tenth place team in that season. Um, but we do have lots of other candidates for awards on this Ranger team. And we'll start with the obvious one, Igor Shesterkin. Uh He's had a bit of a dip uh, the last month or so in terms of the incredibly gaudy numbers. Um, had a very easy shutout night in, uh, against Detroit, shutout day on Saturday, rather. Uh, and he'll probably get two or three of these last six games. I don't think his numbers are going to change too drastically. So he's certainly leading the pack in terms of the important goaltending number save percentage. Uh, you know, expected save percentage, one of Steve Valiquette's uh, telling stats that that kind of shows that that Shesterkin has been number one from the start of the season to the end, even though he's facing some easier shots. And I think the Rangers, the way it's it's sort of funny that his his chances to win the Hart Trophy, I think, have gone by the by the boards. But the fact that the Rangers as a team are playing better defense and allowing fewer great chances on him hurts his chances to win the heart because he doesn't have the chance to stand on his head and be right. be so far and away the best goal in the league. It's very – the way we evaluate things, and myself included as, a, as an awards voter, uh, it's very strange, but that's just kind of the way the human brain works and what are you going to do? But Yeah, and we'll take that trade-off also. I'd rather right. <laughs> I'd rather he wins the Vezina and doesn't win the heart, but the Rangers are a better team. We'll, we'll exactly. That. That's the kind of heart trophy you win where you get burned out and lose in the second round. So, right. um so yeah, so for me, you know, Freddie Anderson, who's now hurt, was kind of the 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 clear number two and was kind of catching up a little bit in terms of some of the some of the numbers uh for the Vezina. And now Anderson's out week to week, or or I guess they'll reevaluate him in a week. Everybody does this differently. Um UC Saros has been good in Nashville, but he's also been out lately. Um Shesterkin's good buddy Ilya Sorokin has put up some really good numbers, but the Islanders are not gonna make the playoffs. That I think hurts him in the mind of of the Vezina voters. Um, so to me, uh, even though I do not have a vote for the Vezina, Igor Shesterkin should win the Vezina this year. Uh, it'll be the first Ranger goalie since Henrik Lundqvist to win it. Uh, and as far as the Hart Trophy goes, you know, like I said, I think there was definitely a groundswell of interest when he was lapping the field in terms of some of those uh, expected saves and expected goals against numbers, uh, where he was clearly ahead of Saros and Anderson and and Jacob Markstrom. Um, he's come back to the pack lately, and I think if you're looking for someone who's not an obvious Hart Trophy candidate, the Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, who's probably my front runner right now, Jonathan Huberto, uh, the high scoring forwards on teams where they need points because their defense is not so great. Um, I think if you're looking for sort of a, a unique candidate to throw into that top five, I think Shesterkin's been su- supplanted in my mind by Roman Yossi in Nashville, who's to me the runaway Norris winner and easily the most important guy on a national team that looks like they're headed for the playoffs. So um, bad luck for Shesterkin. 
Uh, I don't think he's been, you know, his lull, if you want to call it that, I think dropped him all the way down to maybe a 935 save percentage <laughs> instead of 939 or something ridiculous yeah. like that. Like, he's not Hasek territory, but he's close. Um, so I don't know that he's going to be going to, you know, he might make uh, make the final three in the Hart Trophy. That would be a surprise to me. I don't know if I'll have him in my top five. It'll be close. But uh, but where do you sit on that? Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, and again, like with a with a bit of a lull and coming back to the pack, he's still leading the, leading the league in goals against average save percentage. He's you know in the top five in shutouts. Like he's having you know a very clear Vezina um, caliber season. He's he's like you said, he's likely going to win that probably pretty easily. Um, yeah, I think he's fallen out of the heart conversation, and that's fine. It doesn't mean he's uh, you know not a great goalie and and not wasn't deserving of it when that conversation was happening. Like you said, I mean, his save percentage was over 940 at one point. It's like, you know, that's, those are, those are historically great numbers, like uh, of, of all time goaltending. Um, so yeah, no, I think you're right. I think, I think Austin, I mean, Dom Lushishin has a, uh, a piece out today in the athletic about, um, you know, why Austin Matthews is his pick for the, for the, the heart trophy. I think listen, that's right. Listen, we know why Dom picked Austin, Austin Matthews, but <laughs> yeah, well, he's a homer. Yeah, he, he loves, he loves. Uh, no, but uh, you know, Austin Matthews obviously is having an incredible year. He's, he's scoring at a ridiculous pace. So, you know, I think that makes sense. I don't think, um, and like you said, Roman Yossi also like really kind of under the radar, like uh, quietly having an incredible season uh, on defense. Um, you know, plays 28 minutes a night. He's scoring a ton. So yeah, I think he, I think he's probably now in that conversation. Like you said, Jonathan Huberdeau, um, w- would be up there and, you know, a few other guys, but yeah, I think, I think Igor's probably fallen out of that. And that's, uh, you know, that that's perfectly fine. I think at this point. Yeah. And so, so he's really the one to me, that's kind of the clear leader for his main award. Um, if we're going in likelihood of winning, uh, Gerard Gallant, who has won a Jack Adams in his first, when he was uh, took the inaugural Golden Knights to the playoffs and ultimately the finals? Um, you know, I think he'll be in the Jack Adams conversation. It's uh, it's definitely uh, kind of a trend. Again, the writers do not vote for the Jack Adams, but uh, there's always a, a list of like seven or eight guys that really could get it every year. You know, I think there's and and Gallant has kind of the advantage of if you're the surprise team that hasn't made the playoffs in a while and turns it around. You definitely rise up the list of of potential uh, Jack Adams winners. I think uh, Andrew Brunette, who's kind of been essentially the interim coach in Florida for a while, is is in the running. Um, you know, I think out west, uh, Daryl Sutter has done a great job with with Calgary. Not that they were considered to be uh, a lottery team by any means, but certainly they've exceeded expectations. Todd McClellan in L.A. Yeah. They might be that surprise team that makes the playoffs. Um, you know, and I think for me personally, uh, Mike Sullivan should always be in this conversation. Whenever I see the Penguins play, whatever roster they're throwing out on the ice, I'm kind of like, how are they still this good? And I know Sidney Crosby is Sidney Crosby, but come on now. Like that that team, um, they just seem to be able to plug in guys to the third and fourth lines, even sometimes their second line, and just go and, and win games, especially with the with the defense they have. Um so I'm 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 on the Mike Sullivan train always, but uh, but Galan I think has a real chance. You know, it's it's uh, I believe it's voted on by the by the league's general managers uh, for the Jack Adams, or maybe that's the broadcasters. It's one or the other. The GMs vote, GMs vote on the Vez and the broadcasters vote on the Jack Adams. That that's what I think it is. After all these years, I should probably know, but uh, I tend to focus on the awards that I get to vote on. But yeah, um, that makes sense. 
But for the you know for the Adams, there's a lot of candidates. But like I said, especially if the Rangers can win the win the Metro to go from a team that not a lot of people had making the playoffs even this year to a team that's you know could be a top two seed in the East and one of the top five or six teams in the league, that's going to put you at the top of a lot of lists. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean I think he's definitely going to be one of the finalists. I don't know if he's actually going to win it. I, I would think Rod Brendamore is probably going to be in that conversation as well he just um you know kind of has that reputation around the league as being just such a great coach and obviously carolina's a you know had a great season um i agree tom tom mcclellan's probably not going to get i don't know well we'll see i mean i don't think he'll be a finalist but he certainly deserves to be in that conversation la's um when when the rangers played la they play a pretty hard kind of suffocating game the the kings and they they don't have nearly the same level uh, of talent that the Rangers do in a lot of the teams that they're playing against. So Tom McClellan's done a lot with that team. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, oh, and, and Mike Sullivan f- for sure, I, I think deserves uh, a ton of credit. Some of the games the Rangers played against the Penguins earlier in the season. I mean, they had like nine, you know, <laughs> first year guys in the line. I mean, it was just ridiculous. There was no, they had nobody on defense um, and they were still, you know, kind of staying afloat and, and didn't look um you know, they didn't look half bad. So yeah, I think uh, Mike Sullivan should definitely be in that conversation too. But for sure, Gerard Gallant has done a, an incredible job. I think any anybody realistically would have said, yeah, the Rangers will probably contend for a playoff spot this season. But, um, you know, just to see them play so consistently straight through, uh, you know, had some big injuries uh, along the way. Guys coming in and out of the lineup, adding a ton of guys at the deadline, which is no... Um, you know, easy thing to kind of fit everybody where they need to be and, and have everybody on the same page. Yeah, I think uh, I think Gerard Gallant has done everything you you wanted him to do and more in his first season as as uh, the Rangers head coach. And yeah, I think he's definitely going to get some votes, and he could be the winner of the of the Jack Adams this year. We'll look at a couple other guys that uh, you know, Adam Fox, obviously coming off the Norris Trophy, very difficult to win that award two years in a row. Bobby Orr has done it couple other guys nick lidstrom did it a lot of years in a row those are special guys fox not in that category he certainly has produced very well over his first full 82 game season um and he's going to finish he could finish with 60 assists that hasn't been done as ranger defenseman since brian leach um so the numbers are very good i think the the data numbers for him are not as good as they were last year it's different competition obviously playing the teams that they played in their division a lot versus playing the entire league. Um, and I think in general, you know, we kind of we kind of touched on it a little bit last week, whether he's maybe still a little bit nicked up from the injury he had uh, right before the, the Rangers had their break in February. Um, you know, he's he hasn't been dominant. And the good thing is he hasn't had to be because their team defense is a lot better than it was last year. He and Ryan Lindgren have been good. They haven't been exceptional. But that's because now they have Keandre Miller and Jacob Truba, who have been probably better, the better defensive pair, probably in the last couple months. So again, like we talked about, if you're not the single most dominant guy, you get hurt a little bit in terms of the award voting. Yeah. But overall, your chances of winning Stanley Cup are a lot better. So I think this is a trade-off that I'm sure Adam Fox would take. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think he. You know, you you, dev, you it's not like you would get, you know, you take this version of Adam Fox anyway. You know what I mean? I think, like you said, he's not playing necessarily at, at a Norris trophy level, but that's an extremely high bar. He's still a young player. It's crazy that you just said his first 82 game season, which is really, uh, really wild to, to think. But that's, you know, uh, that, that is the truth. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think he's had a good season and I think you're going to get this this type of season from him 
consistently for hopefully many years to come. And I think he's going to be in the conversation for the Norris um, every year, basically, hopefully for, for a while. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's not on Norris pace necessarily, but again, he's having a very good season or great, you know, a great season by anybody's standards. And um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes as, as we go down the stretch and into the playoffs here. Yeah, he does seem maybe a little bit, like certain plays that he would make, they just seemed automatic. And now it seems like maybe there's just a little half second of a thought in his mind when he's making a pass or he's at the blue line. And he's, he's, he's debating where to put the puck versus just kind of going on instinct. And I don't know if that's because he missed time, if he still has a little bit of lingering effects or whatever the injury was or, or whatever, you just can't necessarily be, you know, a hundred percent every night. Um, but you know, again, we, we, we love Adam Fox. He, he looks uh, great. And, you know, he's going to be a stalwart in, uh, on that defense for a long time. And like you said, I think it's a good problem to have that you also have another pair in Truba and Keandre Miller, who I think has been probably their best defenseman for the last, you know, whatever month or so. Keandre Miller is, is looking incredible and, and looks just like the guy that, um, you know, you wanted him to look like, and you hope that he would turn into, he kind of reminds me in a way of the way Mark Stahl used to be able to use his long reach and, and just knock pucks off people's stick and just kind of disrupt the play. And I think he's a, he's a better skater and, and maybe has a little bit more offense than Mark Stahl would have had. But, um, you know, it's great to see the way that he's playing along with Jacob Trubo who's had an, an excellent season as well. Um, I think, I, you know, I think Ryan Lingrid's probably had a little bit, um, he's had the most struggles I think I've seen since he's been a Ranger. It doesn't mean he's playing poorly, but I think that that contributes a little bit to, um, you know, Fox, uh, having a little bit less of a, a season than he did last, last year as well. So, but you know, again, it is what it is. They're not, they're not playing poorly. And this is one of the, the better teams in the league at this point in the Rangers. So, um, yeah, probably not an Norris trophy win for, for Fox, but certainly a good year and, and doesn't mean he's not going to be in that conversation going forward. And I guess lastly, we'll bring up, uh, an award that, not likely to happen, but uh, but Mika Zibanejad and the Selkie, I think, is a is a conversation worth having. And I, you know, when I get my awards ballot, I, that's when I tend to kind of dig in on some of the data. And and I, I love having newer data for the Selkie because it's such a hard award to measure. And I think um, through no fault of their own, a lot of my fellow voters tend to look at guys who have won it before, um, guys who are sort of talked about as you know, the best defensive forwards in the league. So you end up getting Patrice Bergeron in the mix a lot, deservedly so, one of the best number one centers in the league in terms of his his two-way game. Um, I think Philip Deneau, who I've voted for uh, from the Canadians the last couple of years now in LA, has become a, more, a bigger scorer, but again, a team that plays a very tight defensive game, and he's a big part of it. Um, Alexander Barkov, who's won the Selkie before is certainly in the conversation too, despite the fact that he's, a, again, another prolific one number one center. Um, the criteria that I try to use, uh, definitely when it comes to five on five numbers in terms of the analytics about, you know, uh, expected goals, um, you know, shot share, things like that when you're on the ice, giving up, you know, chance share, uh, that to me is the sign of a good defensive player and also, you know, a guy who can score. And when you have the puck on your stick and the other team doesn't have it, that's the best kind of defense you can have. Um, and Zabanajad for me, now that he is a regular penalty killer, a guy who plays uh, in all situations, takes a lot of key faceoffs, um, you know, and, and really has become a true number one center on this team over the last couple of years. And and is you know the fact that the Rangers 
you know, I think we talked about it and I wrote about it thanks to, with help from Steve Aliquette, the, um, the narrative around this team that they were, that they were really just a product of what Igor Shosturkin was doing. That really changed a lot kind of halfway through the season. And it's been exceptionally noticeable since, since the trade deadline, um, that they are one of the best defensive teams in the league. And you have to then start to examine, well, okay, who's the guy among their forwards, their centers who plays the most minutes, the most difficult minutes at five on five and on the penalty kill. And how much of an effect has that person had? And, and Zibanejad, I think, I think he's worthy of having on, you know, we, we make a list of, of our top five for the Selkie. And uh, I can certainly admit after however many 15, 20 years of voting on this, when you're looking for the, your fourth and fifth place Selkie candidates, you are digging deep because right. it's uh, there's some obvious guys and then there's guys that you're like, all right, well, my eyes are starting to cross a little bit looking at all these things. So um, those are the ones, of course, you get made fun of the most for if you post your ballot publicly. Um, but I like to try to find some candidates that maybe aren't thought about too much. Uh, and Zibanejad, to me, is is one of them, a guy who plays – a lot of minutes, uh, a lot of those heavy minutes, not just the power play minutes, but but he plays. You know, he's the maybe the the most used center at five on five, and he's one of the one of the you know got some some heavy usage on the penalty kill, and yet he's you know you don't just want a guy who's out there to kind of check and hit and poke pucks away. You want a guy who who knows what the you know who carries the message of the team the most, and and that's certainly Zibanejad among the forwards on this team. Yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And like you're saying, it's hard with the Selkie because unless you're watching, you know, a, a guy play kind of every night, it's hard. You know, you it's easy to see when someone scores. You're going to see a, a highlight of it, or it's going to be on Twitter or whatever. You're you're going to get that, but you don't necessarily see, uh, you know, in the middle of the second period where a guy knocks a puck down in the neutral zone and and you know gets a dump so his team can change or or whatever it is. And and I think uh, you said it right. I mean, I think. Because Abanajet has worked his way into that spot and he he he's earned it. And he's a guy who's probably, you know, if he's not in the top five, he's certainly in the top ten centers in, in the league that um, you know, can can play in all situations, play both sides of the puck. Obviously, great playmaker. He's a sniper, but a guy who definitely, you know, pickpockets guys, is able to read the play and uh, you know, play play really well defensively. So, you know, I, I like you said, I think guys like Patrice Bergeron probably uh, Sasha Barkov is, is, is maybe going to be the winner um, this year. Philip Deneau, you know, there, there's some other names that that are probably going to be the three finalists and, and will end up winning the award. But but definitely Mika Zibanejad deserves attention for what he does on the defensive side of the puck. Um, and, and it does. It feeds through the rest of the lineup. And I think you could see uh, guys when they're when they're on that line, they play pretty solidly defensively because that's the only way you're going to be able to, to work with with. Um, you know, Zabana, Jan and Kreider. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, he, he's, he certainly worked himself into that conversation and maybe one day, um, you know, can win the Selkie. I don't think it's going to be this year, but he, but he absolutely, uh, deserves the recognition that you're talking about. And is, is, you know, realistically in the top five or six, uh, probably best two way centers in the game. Yeah. We'll have to see, uh, what, uh, my fellow voters come up with, but, uh, and then, We'll have to see what these last six games hold. Rangers, Jets tonight. Uh, we'll have to check it out and check out uh, what we'll have to say on The Athletic afterwards. Thanks, Chris, for chiming in as always. And thanks to everyone out there for listening to The Garden Faithful. If you're enjoying the show so far, please follow us on your favorite podcast platform and leave a five-star rating and a review. It really helps us grow the show. You can subscribe to The Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. Start with a 30-day free trial, then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now you can subscribe to The Athletic for $1 a month for six months when you visit 
Athletic.com slash TGF. Uh, Chris Flannery, Arthur Staple, The Garden Faithful, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with maybe a little bit of a playoff preview.